Hello, good evening. It is Ray Franklin with uh, Plainsman Abroad. How is everyone doing this evening here as we sit down and we discuss culture here in the United States of America? It's a good day. It's a good evening uh, here in South Florida where we do our recording from. I'm glad that you are taking your time out to listen. So let's get started about tonight's subject. Tonight's subject is something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Some people may say it's controversial, but I don't think so. The, tonight's subject is labels. And I am tired of labels because labels to me do nothing but, yes, they help organize items and things. And they help, you know, but in the end, I believe they're used more as a tune, a tool, excuse me, to divide us. And so we want to talk about that right away. So let's get started. Okay, you guys know I'm black. Okay, I've talked about that before. One of my first episodes is black in American Christian. And therefore, you have two labels on me. I am black. What does that mean? What type of black person am I? Okay, so we have to break it down. Since I am black and I did my, uh, sent one away from those DNA testing. DNA came back and it came back multiple tribes from West Africa and Western Europe. So I'm a person of African and European, Western European descent. Uh, primarily the British Isles area, Ireland, United Kingdom, Wales, the, that area, and uh, the part of Normandy along the English Channel. So, uh, so what am I? So what am I then? I am a black person in the United States. What does that mean? That means my descendants are primarily from West African slaves. Now, when I say the term slave, some people get upset and say, how dare you use that term slaves? That's terrible. They were enslaved Africans. I'm like, what? Yes, you can't use the term slaves anymore to describe your ancestors because slaves dehumanized them. They were African citizens on the continent of Africa who were enslaved. I said, what? Well, how does that different? They were slaves. That's what they were. They were slaves. They were sold into slavery. They were slaves here in the United States, primarily in Georgia. Okay, so they were slaves in Georgia. You know, slave African slave, does it make a difference? Somebody with some degree somewhere smarter than me will say yes. It makes a difference because it strips them of their humanity. Like, how? You're still using the term slaved. S-L-A-V-E is still the same. So you call me an enslaved African, that doesn't make it any easier than saying I'm a slave. Period. Because their humanity was stripped from them. Well, we give it back by calling them enslaved Africans. I'm like, okay, dude, no, we don't. Their humanity was stripped from them. They're dead and gone. We give them nothing back by calling them enslaved Africans. Again, there's a segment of our society on both the alt-right and alt-left. Now, you know me, my biggest push is I'm in the middle. I believe most human beings in the United States politically are in the middle, but our media and our politics currently is driven by the extremes. I'm a Republican. My party right now is being driven by the extreme right. Democrats pretty soon, after the Biden-Harris era is over, are going to be driven by the extreme left. And then it's going to be up to us in the middle to put down the right and the left and have some common sense real solutions because the extremes right now are driving the crazy train and the extremes love labels because labels empower those who benefit from our extreme views politically. So on the right, they say, well, I'm a patriot. And I did a whole show on that. What is a patriot? And so they can't explain. We're doing a patriot purge. I'm like, okay, 
What do you mean by a patriot purge? A patriot is a person who believes the United States is the best country on earth. I said, okay, what if you're the alt-left and you believe the United States is the best country on the earth or they're a patriot? No, why? Because they're about globalism. Okay, another label. What is globalism? Globalism means you want America to go down, they would say. I said, no, does glo- how about globalism means you want everybody else to come up to our standards? No, we can't have that. Okay, so America must lead the nations. No, no, America needs to be isolationism, another label. America needs to be concerned about America. We call it America first. But the problem is, again, that sentiment has been with us going back into the beginning of last century, which is why a lot of people were reluctant to get involved in the events we call World War One or World War Two. Because they were like, hey, America needs to worry about America and we don't need to be involved in these things. We need to make sure we're prosperous. How do we make sure prosperous if we're not leading the world, if we're not sustaining ourselves, if we're not interacting with other commerce? Well, uh, uh, well, uh, 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 well, again, people like throwing labels out without thinking about things. What labels do, they help blind us. Because once you hear I'm a black man, then all your preconception, preconceived notions about what a black man is supposed to be. But also, what type of black man am I? For example, I live in an area in South Florida that has black people, right? We have black people from Cuba. But they don't consider themselves black. They consider themselves Cuban. Because they're not descendant of enslaved Africans in the, the 50 states of the United States. Saying if you're black and you're Puerto Rican, you're not black, you're Puerto Rican. Spanish is terrible, by the way. Spanish is terrible. So please, don't, please, for my Spanish uh, listeners who speak Spanish very well, we have a very good ear for the Spanish language. Uh, I brutalize it. <laughs> I know what to say. I just cannot pronounce it correctly. So please pardon my awful enunciation of, of the Spanish language. But Puerto Rico. Again, if you're black from there, you're not black. You're a Puerto Rican. Because you are a descendant of enslaved Africans who ended up in, our slaves who ended up in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Mexico. Uh, slaves were taken, enslaved African slaves were taken throughout North, and, uh, North America and South America and the Caribbean. So you have black, quote unquote, we call black populations in all these places. But they're not black. They're a Latino. So they have to throw, okay, I'm Afro-Latino. Okay, well, if you're a descendant of African, enslaved Africans and the indigenous people, the inhabitants of North and South America, then you're Afro-indigenous Latino. So if you're Haitian, but you're white Haitian, are you a Eurocentric Haitian, a white Haitian, are you Eurocentric Haitian? Are you a black Haitian? See, again, what type of black person are you? More labels, more confusion, more division. It, It frustrates me. And then America, there are Americans who like it all simple, like it used to be back in the good old days of the 1940s and 50s, right? Every America was simple back then. You were either white, black, American Indian, or other. So everything was simple. You had four classifications, white, black, American Indian, or other. Are you other? Yeah, we just throw everybody else in other. But then the people who are others are like, hey, I'm not an other. For example... Growing up, what did we call East Asians, Oriental? And I used that term one time. I got corrected by a co-worker who said, Oriental's a rug, Asians are the people. There's a problem, though. Asia's a ma- what I always had. Asia's a massive continent. If you're from Turkey, you are Asian. If you are from Central Russia, you are Asian. 
So if you're a white person from Central Russia, you are Asian. Hey, I'm Asian. Why? Because I'm on the continent of Asia. So when we talk about Asian, we have to divide it up. Are you West Asian? Are you Southwest Asian? Are you South Asian? Are you Southeast Asian? Are you East Asian? Are you Northeast Asian? And that's when people say, you know what? Forget all that. I'm going to change the labels. I'm going to break it down. I'm Korean. Okay, you're Korean. Okay, fine. You're Korean. Yes, I'm Korean and my husband is black. Okay, you're Korean and your husband is black. So what are your children? You have children. Yes, we have biological children. What are they? They're Blasian. You ever heard that term, that label, Blasian? It means black and Asian. Or you're Aslak. You're Asian and black. See, more labels. Why? Because we have to think of something. We can't take people and throw them all in another. So now what happens when you have a multi-ethnic family? You're multi-ethnic. So, okay, I'm multi-ethnic. That's the term. That's a new label. New label. So we went from black, white, other, Native American, American Indian, excuse me, to now we're multi-ethnic. Okay? Labels. We got more labels, okay? Does that make us feel better now we have more labels? Yes, because now I am proud to be Korean. Okay, I am proud to be Vietnamese. I am proud to be a FBA. Now, I'm an FBA according to the new labels. FBA is a foundational black American. The Patriots are FWA, foundational white Americans. So if you're a descendant of white of European immigrants from West and Central West and Central a, uh, Europe, you are considered a foundational white American. But here's the thing. Are you a foundational white American if both sides of your family came over later in the 1800s or early 20th century through immigration? So, for example, if you're a descendant of Irish immigrants who came over in the 1800s, are you a foundational white American? It's like, oh, I never thought about that. Because there were already people here. So how do we divide the line? So, okay, now we have to do more reinforcement of these labels. So, okay, let's sit here and define it. Okay, if your parents came over from Europe before the Civil War, you're a foundational white American. If your parents came over after the Civil War, you are a white American descendant of immigrants. Like, what? More labels, more labels. We got to, okay, are you Irish American? Are you Italian? I lived in the Detroit area for a long time. Detroit area has a lot of Italian Americans, a lot of Irish Americans, a lot of Polish Americans. Okay? You're looking around and say, I just see white people. No, you're seeing people who are descendants of different. And also Detroit, we have a lot of Albanian Americans. Okay, Albanians. I, have a, I think I have an Albanian listener. Hope you're out there. So you have Albanian Americans who are Polish, Irish, German, Dutch, Italian. And you're like, okay, more labels, more labels, more labels. I think I, I know why we do labels is to help us identify with our culture and our heritage because it comes down to the I word, identity. And that's why I hate labels. Because labels are meant to give you an identity. And I'm always big on people having their own identity. Because labels, what they do in a sense, they do give you that sense of this is who I am. This is my culture. This is my heritage. But you have your own identity. 
And I think that's something we have to learn to do as Americans or as people on this planet. As I talked about my vision for humans is humans cannot seem to get on the same page and labels to me, in my personal opinion, hinder that. Because when you say I'm a person, when I'm a human being, it's a lot easier to say, well, I'm Ukrainian. Like my pastor, my pastor is Ukrainian, right? But he always tells people he's Russian because people before the invasion over a month ago, people did not know a lot of people are America, just not good with geography and distinction. So he just told people I'm Russian. Ukrainian, where's that? I'm Russian, I'm Russian. But now, because people are sort of okay hearing Ukraine in the news, trying to educate themselves on this conflict, they're like, oh, we understand now that you, pastor, are Ukrainian. He's like, yes. And I learned from some of his relatives, some of the people from his community, and they say we are different than Russian because they're trying to get a Bible translation, the King James Version, translated in Ukrainian. Because they say, look, there's some of the words are similar to Russian, but some of the words are different. And we want one in our own dialect, in our own language. So, so, so you have that identity about who, this is who I am. And then you have people, again, Russia trying to say Ukraine is just a region, a part of their country, the same way we view Texas. You know, we wouldn't let a state succeed. So Russia's like, why are we letting Ukraine succeed? Ukraine, like we're an independent nation. Again, labels, nation, independent, freedom. Everything has labels. I'm in a car. What type of car? I'm in a minivan. I'm in an SUV. I'm in a full size, mid size. Okay, I drive an electric vehicle. I drive a diesel vehicle. I drive a hybrid vehicle. We spend all, think about how many times during the day that we think about that we describe things with labels. Labels, I think people who are out there say, helps us give us an understanding and appreciation. I mean, what happens if you just grab fruit or just grab food from a tree? Do you know what type of food that you ate? For example, if you have an allergic reaction, what did you eat? I ate food. That's not going to help me. Oh, I ate peanuts. Oh, you have a nut allergy, a tree nut allergy. Great. We know how to treat you to keep you from dying or suffering irreparable harm to your health. Okay. So labels therefore help. So that's the case for labels. The case for labels, they help. They help us with representation. So when you have representation of different people and different ethnic groups, you're like, okay, we have a foundational black American. We have an immigrant black American. We have a foundational white American. We have an immigrant white American. We have someone who has a different sexual orientation. You know, non-binary. LGBTQIA. Hey, or plus, you know, I'm 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 lesbian, I'm gay, I'm bisexual. Okay, you want to know that I, I am different, but I'm still a human being. And and, and and the power of labels for their benefit comes so people aren't oppressed. If you're oppressing me because I'm gay, you're wrong. If you're oppressing me because I'm heterosexual, a.k.a. slang term straight, you're wrong. If you're oppressing me because I am black, you're wrong. If you're oppressing me because I'm not Latino, you're wrong. If you're oppressing me because I am Latino, you're wrong. If you're oppressing me because I am an other in your eyes, you're wrong. Or if I agree with the other, you're wrong. And that's what human beings do. Human beings always want to group people. So when you have people even of the same ethnic group, uh, genetically they're the same, culturally they're the same, group A still can hate group B. Why? Because of power. And that's a reason I, again, hate labels.
So this is personal for me. So I'm going to tell you guys a personal story. I never really fit into anyone's racial box growing up. I was a black guy, grew up in a black neighborhood. There are things I like that, quote unquote, I was told by people, these are things that pertain to white folks. Or these are things that pertain to black folks. So I never liked that. I never liked being put in a label that you can't associate with these people because they're white. You can't have this girlfriend because she's white. She won't go on a date with you because you're black. You won't go on a date with me. Why? Because you're another. Because you don't fit. Your label doesn't fit with my label. I was taught that my label doesn't go, don't go on dates with your label. You're a nice boy. You're a nice guy. But my label can't go with your label. Because people hate when they see our labels together. So those things, you can't come over to my house and listen to music. Why? We don't allow people of your label to come over to our house. You can't come to my neighborhood and hang out. Why? We don't allow people from your label to hang out in my neighborhood. So it's just crazy. Type of segregation I think about growing up in and, and seeing growing up how people prejudice fed into those by labels. And that's why I hate it. I saw the labels as, and I saw those labels growing up as imprisoning. But what is it like to be an individual? What is it like to be free? That's why I look up a lot of times to the boxer Jack Johnson. Again, he did do things his own way in a time of strict segregation. The most strict segregation. The late 1800s, the early 1900s. He dated white women publicly. Married a white woman when it was a lot of places would thought he was nuts. He fired his white manager. He was his own man. He suffered for it and some other choices that he made that were extremely bad choices no matter what your ethnic group is. But the reality is in a time when African-Americans, oh, there's that label, foundational black Americans, that, that, uh, there's that label, black folk, there's that label, couldn't be free, couldn't be individuals. He was. And that's what you have to be. In a time we learned to celebrate individuals. Muhammad Ali was an individual. He was his own person. Was he perfect? No, but he was his own person. And later on, people realized that Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, James Baldwin, never fit in anyone's box. Be your own person. I watched that documentary with James Baldwin. I had mentioned it before, but I'm not your Negro. James Baldwin had his own unique racial views that were unique to him. And I have mine that are unique to me. And, and I like that. I like the fact of, like, when I went to Detroit, I had mentioned this before, I think, in one of my earlier podcasts, may or not, I went to a, a, a bookstore called Stride of the Black Madonna. And it had all these different black books in it. I had been a black bookstore before, but not like this. This was a huge bookstore. It had a lot of different things, and I was shocked by some of the things I saw in there. I saw books in there that I'd never heard before by authors I'd never heard of. And I was shocked to see 
that black thought was not this monolithic thing. Black thought is a beautiful thing. And it, as, it is as diverse as every other ethnic group's thoughts. And to make it simple, black thought is as diverse as white thought. And, and it's shaky, you know. Again, I don't agree a lot with, with the, some of the thoughts out there, some of the black thinkers now. I don't agree with Dr. Vadi Bachman. I probably butchered his name. But I don't agree with him. I agree with him on a lot of his theological takes. But his social views, I don't. But he doesn't have to. I don't have to agree with Walt, Wilton, Walt, Will, Walt Williams. Excuse me. I don't have to agree with Walt Whitman. <laughs> I don't have to agree with someone. And a lot of times growing up in a, in a strict religious culture like I did, you always, have to, you always felt this pressure to agree. But you don't have to. You realize as you read a lot of the great theologians, a lot of the great preachers, they got along, but they had completely different views about different things. Now, they kept the heart of Christianity the same thing, but they had a lot of great different views. Like, for example, there's stuff when I read Tozer, I agree with him on stuff I don't agree with him on. Same with Oswald Chambers. There's stuff I agree with Oz on, stuff I'm like, Oz, where are you coming from? And you guys know I love Oz. But that's how thought has to be. Your viewpoint has to be your viewpoint. The only time I think when, when, when we humans have to agree is when that turns violent. When that turns violent, when that turns destructive. When you do as Putin foolishly and evilly and wickedly did, invade another country because I don't believe it's a real country. Or invade another country because, hey, we need access to the sea. You know, some of the wars throughout history, some of the reasons of invasions, just stupid, just ridiculous. Again, those type of malicious things, that's when your opinions start. Uh, uh, uh. Where the people says, your freedom ends where my, my nose begins. You know, at the edge of your fist. You know, that's when your opinions end. When, when, when at the beginning of my nose, something like that, something was saying like that. Saying once we start doing violations, you know, things like that, that's when we as humans got to, hey, you got to put that down. We got to put that down. Because remember, back to labels, people were like, well, how could Christians, Europeans, treat African Christians this way when they had the quote unquote the same faith? Easy, because Christian Europeans saw Africans, Christian Africans, as subhuman. When they were fully human. And in some senses, more human than their violators. So you have that type of labeling to dehumanize. I, I watched, uh, again, I talked before about how I love the documentary on the Vietnam War uh, done by, Doc, by Kenneth Burns and his team. And they did, a, they did a great job on it. And that's one of the very few documentaries I own. And I love every episode. He does such a great job of telling, the, for his perspective, the Vietnam War. And I remember one of the, the Vietnam veterans saying, I didn't kill people when I was in Vietnam. I wasted, and he, sold to the, he inserted a racial slur that I won't say. He said, I didn't kill people, but I wasted, and he put in your anti-Asian uh, racial slur. Because it's, he says it's easier to get and condition a young man who has been told for 18, 19, 20 years that it's wrong to kill a human being 
that you're not killing a human being, you're wasting such and such. Because you have to make sure that person can kill, save his life, save the life of his others, and achieve your victory. So that's why a lot of war situations, what do you see? You see genocidal situations, you see the use of slurs, the use of labels to dehumanize people. Because I'm not killing a person. I'm not violating a woman or a girl. I'm wasting such and such. I'm crushing such and such. And that's and that's the danger of labels. They do take away humanity. They do take away in the end. And they do continue this thing that I see that I talked about in my vision statement. This will, this desire, the power to crush, to conquer, to destroy. To take from others, to have the most. People think about that. You know, people are talking about Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter. And they're saying Elon Musk has you know, billions and billions of dollars. No man should be that rich. I was like, yes, he should. Man, woman, whoever, you know, as long as they're not rich off of exploiting, conning, stripping and destroying people. But if they haven't broken any laws and are ethically successful, I don't have an issue with it. I don't I don't believe a cap. Now, I wish they would do something more beneficial with their money than buying social media companies or ordering multiple houses on every country around the world are in the race to build the biggest yacht. I wish they would do good with their money by choice. But again, power, wealth, success, privilege, a lot of that creates a lot of these different things. You lose touch with reality. You think I would be the same if I was a multi-billionaire? If I woke up tomorrow worth $100 billion or $50 billion, billion, not million, billion dollars, think I would be sitting here doing a podcast? Maybe I would. I can tell you with this, the audio would be a lot better. I hire someone, who, uh, one of those podcasting firms, make sure I have good distribution on it, make sure I have the top recording equipment, may even hire a podcast producer. You know why? Be- because again, when you have wealth, you have access to things like that. But will it really make the world a better place if you say, you know what, I'm going to use my billions to combat poverty. I'm going to use my billions to combat uh, the refugee crisis at the southern border. You know, provide you know places for people to stay, provide housing for them. I'm going to use my money to help people who are struggling to pay their bills because of the crazy, corrupt housing price increases. I'm going to use it to help rebuild a city. Oh, the city got destroyed by tornadoes? Yeah, let's go and rebuild that city. I'll pay for it to be rebuilt. You know, imagine taking your buildings and doing things like that. Someone saying, man, this home was built, rebuilt. My whole city was rebuilt and paid for by some billionaire. He did it because he loved us. He loved mankind. Humanitarian philanthropy. Taking my billions and putting them back into humanity to make people's lives better. That's a label I can live with. Humanitarian philanthropist. I like those labels. Philanthropist, excuse me. I like those labels. I like helping people who can't help you. I hate people who self-loss when they help people. Help people who don't tell people. A lot of people do that. There's a lot of rich people out there that help people you would never know. Don't tell people I helped you. My tax attorney will know. The IRS will know. You'll know. But don't tell people I helped you. 
They said Joe Sackett uh, was that way, the uh, former captain of the Colorado Avalanche. He was that type of person. For you hockey people out there who listen. So that that's my thought on labels. Uh, labels, again, people all the time know. Oh, I'm a, you know, at the end of the day, what type of human are you? I'm getting concerned at the older I get and the closer I get to meeting the Reaper. What type of human beings are we making? Are human beings ever going to learn from history? And I keep seeing that we're not learning from history. Failed in Vietnam, failed in Afghanistan. Policy, the soldiers, the Marines, the, the air personnel, the air personnel, the military, the people fighting combat did not fail. Our allies did not fail. Our policymakers failed in Vietnam. Our policymakers failed again half century later in Afghanistan. Less than a half century later in Afghanistan. We're not going to, you know, again, standing by watching genocide in China. Hey, they got nukes. We can't mess with them. Russia allegedly committed genocidal acts in Ukraine. Can't mess with them. They got nukes. I want to say something. I had a fact wrong when I talked about uh, Putin in my, one of my other podcasts. Said that the United States has more we- nuclear weapons than the rest of the world combined. That's not true. Then the current, I looked up a uh, scientist today or something online. Um, and, and also I've been hearing it in the media. The current estimated warhead totals. Number one is the Russia. Number two is the United States. So. So we're number two behind Russia, but we have plenty of nukes. Russia has over 5,000 nukes. We have maybe under 5,000 around there. We're just a few nukes behind them, maybe a couple hundred behind them. Uh, not really not really off, maybe at the most 1,000 behind, but we have plenty of nukes. Uh, United Kingdom has nukes. Uh, France has nukes. Uh, Israel now, they say, allegedly has 90 nuclear weapons. I mean, yikes. I mean, India and Pakistan both have nuclear weapons. Uh, North Korea now may have up to 20 nuclear weapons, they're saying. Uh, so, a- again, I think everybody's learned the lesson. If you have nukes, no one's going to mess with you. Unless you nuke somebody, then they'll nuke you. So, that that's the issue. Everybody looked at Saddam, looked at Gaddafi, and like, hey, dude, we got to get nuclear weapons. Why? If we don't, they'll steamroll us eventually. So, that that's the thing. Putin, all the terrible stuff he's doing, all the terrible things he's doing. Um, again, he has nuclear weapons. His arm, his, the conventional forces of Russia are nowhere near what they used to be. But he still has nuclear weapons. And that's why nobody really is going to mess with them. So how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get to a point where our labels can free us? Like when I, I spoke today at, at a high school, survivor of sexual abuse, survivor of trafficking, survivor of exploitation. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. My label frees me. I'm an independent thinker. I'm an independent human. I'm an independent-minded person. Maybe our labels can free us. Who knows? Maybe a cynic like me, when it comes to labels, can look at the positive labels. Healer, again, philanthropist, humanitarian, caregiver, lover, Friend, sibling, partner. Maybe there's some good labels out there. I guess, again, just something to think about. Have a good evening.